been a while since we've done one of these. I can't remember. What do we do anyway? What, how does this work? Well, we're talking about Marilyn Monroe, right? Right. Okay, that can't be the intro, though. Hello, and welcome to the Uncover Up. I'm one of your hosts, Nathan Radke. With me today are my fellow pod people, Lee Kunla. Hiya. And Elena Papianis. And this is her second time on. That's right. So she is now official co-host. Yeah, I think that's... Just, how many does it take? Does it take two? I think so. Okay, that's well, congratulations. Exciting. Thank you. This is a big day. <laughs> yeah, it is a big, a big day. day I mean, you can't see, but she's she's dressed herself up for it. She's yeah. got like a... That's right. So are we, of course. Yeah, we're all very dressed up. It's a very special time. I've got no segue from that to this. So let me just say, you know what I think we have a problem with? What? Death. Mm -hmm. I think we have a really hard time with death, like our own deaths, probably the one that we're most concerned with. But any death, I think, has every death in it. Mm -hmm. Like every time we encounter any kind of death, I think it reminds us of all of the other deaths. Mm -hmm. And I think this is in part why we have such a hard time when a famous person dies young. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it seems... Like, it, it just doesn't fit somehow that somebody could be that big and well-known and do something as ordinary as die. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, in part why we see a lot of conspiracy theories show up every time any famous person dies. That's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about any, like, Whitney Houston. Princess Diana. Princess yeah. Diana. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Michael yeah. Jackson. Uh, Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, who... Is alive. <laughs> so you his, think his his talent has died. Oh, ouch! <laughs> but I don't want to get sidetracked on going on a rant about Paul McCartney. Even Kanye West's mom, when she died, uh, unfortunately in, in post surgery. Or yeah, post surgery. Yeah. There was a lot of people afterwards who said, "Nope, that was yeah. like mm -hmm. an assassination." And today we're talking about one of I would say the most famous people of the 20th century, yeah. somebody who like, defined the nature of the, the starlet, the blonde mm -hmm. bombshell, like the, sort of the mold that other people have tried to capture and fit into have been unsuccessful because today we're talking about Marilyn Monroe. This story is, in a word, well, how would you describe this story? Oh, this story, I mean, more generally what I was thinking when you were just saying that was Part of the appeal of this is that it feels unfinished. Yeah, oh, for when sure. When it's an early death, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're attempting to finish it in some way by coming up with these theories around their death and how they happened. It just feels like it's too bizarre that they're just gone all of a sudden. And it's our attempt to sort of finish the story off in some way or make it go somewhere. Yeah, it's so un death is so unsatisfying. There's this sort of weird moment where somebody is around and doing things and then they're no longer around and doing things. And I think we have a really hard time with that. So I guess this I'd say it's, if I had to have a word, it would be, I don't know if tragic is the right word, but it's more like, I don't know, I just see her as this very sympathetic figure. There's something, there's so much there that you don't see just by looking at an image of her. Yeah, I mean, her... And the, and the image of her, that's crucial because mm -hmm. she was an image. In some ways, she was art. Like, her image literally was she art. She created herself. Yeah, right? she, yeah, she created herself. Like, she invented Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. It's not her real name. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was her Norma mother's... Yeah, yeah, her mother's maiden name was Monroe. Monroe. 
and her name was Norma Jean. Yeah. And so she kind of invented a person. Yeah. And, uh, well, why don't we get into a bit of her history? Because I think it's important that we remember that she's a person. Hmm. And before we get into all of the, the politics and the conspiracies and the... Theories, mm -hmm. maybe? And the theories, before we get into that, I think <clears throat> let's take a bit and just talk about how this is a person we're talking about. Yeah, so um, that would actually help me out quite a bit because I have made it a specialty uh, in my own research never to know anything about famous actors or musicians. I am hopeless. It's I true. I know nothing about it. I don't, people are constantly name dropping like actors and musicians and I have no idea who these people are or their life story. Yeah, it's true. Actually, Elena, you and I could probably just make up some famous people, yeah, and we would just have to go along with right. that. Be like, oh yeah, of yeah. Course. I probably pretend I know what I'm talking about. That's a game. Them. You could include at the end of every podcast, be like real or fake, and you yeah. could just say a couple names and see if. And they'd be like Enrico Palazzo. Yeah, <laughs> sounds real. <laughs> so, who is Marilyn Monroe? I mean, obviously. You can't have been alive and not known or seen a little bit of her. I know she's a, she was an actor, um, and I know that she had some kind of relationship with JFK, the uh, former president, who also has a conspiracy theory around his death, Separate. one we might get to. Uh, I, I think she was in Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot, yeah. That, that was, was one of her most famous Actually, a films. film that I've yeah. seen with her in yeah. it. And that is it. That is the extent of my knowledge. Right. And she oh. actually kind of was really pissed at that role. Oh, really? Because she was like, how stupid do you think I am? Like, I'm mm. just playing this dumb blonde. How am I not going to know that my two, these two people around me are actually men right. dressed as women? Right. So she was like incensed by being cast into this role where she felt like it was just she was being characterized as being so dumb that she didn't even huh. know that the, the men around, or the women around her were actually men dressed right. up as women. And not yeah, only right. is that the kind of role that she gets typecast with, but because I think people have a hard time separating an actor from their mm -hmm. art, I think people assume that of her too. Mm -hmm. That she was she was so good at portraying those the, that kind of character I think people started thinking, no, she genuinely is a dumb blonde. Mm -hmm. So you you were saying this, uh, Nathan and Elena, before we started recording, that uh, she actually was quite different from her image. So who, what was she like? Who was she? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, Elena, do I you mean, wanna... she had a very sad childhood. Um, her father left basically right, I think, as he realized her mother was pregnant with her. So she never knew her father, always sort of had these grand illusions about who it was. Like she thought it was like Cary Grant or like she had these ideas that it was some famous actor. Hmm. Um, and she was pushed around from foster home to foster home, suffered various abuse that I don't know many of the details about. But um, as you can imagine, in foster home after foster home, the things she might, the kind of exploitation she might have experienced. Well, especially back then, yeah. which would have been the... 30s and early mm -hmm. 40s. Where was her mother during this period? Her mother was, uh, wasn't she put into a mental institution? Yeah, she was on? suffering from some uh, mental illness. I believe it uh, might have been schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I think her she was under the care of her aunt for uh -huh. an extended period, at which point I think we agreed it was probably around the age of 15 mm -hmm. that she was essentially married off to this, this also young man, maybe 18 or something, kind of an attempt to just get her to be independent and on her own and not have to be under the mm -hmm. care of this mm -hmm. aunt. And that, that ended, like, that. I think that only lasted a short period of time. 
I don't know if it was over like she wanted to go and work and he didn't want her to. Like I think it was some sort of... The, the story that I understand is that... Well, I think one thing that's important and something that came across that she had said was that when she was in these homes, they would sometimes give her a, like some change and right. send her off to the movies just to get her out of the house mm -hmm. because they didn't want her around all the time. And when she was at the movies, she escaped her day-to-day -day mm -hmm. drudgery and abuse and went to a place where the world was amazing and mm -hmm. interesting and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so she really very early caught this bug that she wanted to get into that world. Mm -hmm. Of course, as a kid, she didn't realize that that world looks that way. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it is that way. And so then when she's, I think, around 17 or 18, during World War II, she's working in a factory. She's still married at this point. And somebody goes in to take pictures of the women working in factories, and they see her, and they think, well, she's unusually pretty. Mm -hmm. And so that's when she gets into uh, modeling, not as a fashion model mm -hmm. because of her physique, but like a pinup model for, for men to put up on their lockers or whatever. And, and I think say, she hubba did hubba. nude photos pretty early on. Yeah, which yeah. at the time in the States was yeah. considered pretty risque. Right? Oh, that's Except right. There's a Playboy. The first one. I believe right, was right. actually her nudes, right? Mm -hmm. And so she only got paid a couple bucks for it too. But it huh. essentially kicked off Playboy, an entire empire, an entire empire based right. on her uh, nude photos. And another thing, so um, the production company that she was working for eventually, like when it came out, maybe a year later, when she was finally acting, that there were these nudes, and people were like, "Oh no, you know what's going to happen with her? There's the scandal." And she just totally owned up to it. I was like, yeah, that was me. And the producer like, well, we don't, you know, say it's not you. And she's like, well, it was me. So why would I say it's not me? Mm -hmm. And so part of that, like her taking ownership was a huge deal. And that's actually when she's like became a real starlet. Mm -hmm. huh. She was only minorly, like she was working, but she wasn't famous until those nudes really came out. Oh, interesting. And she owned up to it. And I was like, yep, that's me. And then everyone's like, oh, it's her. And they're all... And I guess this also speaks to what you were both saying earlier about how her image as this sort of hapless, ditzy person mm -hmm. on the screen was totally not who she was in her personal life, where she's, you know, yeah. doing risky things, taking ownership of it, yeah. pushing the envelope. Um, Very intelligent, calculating. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. she knew what she wanted. And what she wanted was to escape this kind of yeah. boring, dull life. And I, I think that's why that first divorce happened, because her husband yes. was getting in the way of her sort of becoming yeah. eventually Marilyn Monroe. He wanted her home, making dinner and doing all those things. And she mm -hmm. wanted, she had this, she caught this bug. Yeah. yeah. And so then she goes off to Hollywood and she has some success and she's in some movies. And as Elena says, her star starts to rise up. And that's when we start to get into the 50s. And I think at this point... It's kind of useful not only to talk about her as a person, but also like what was happening in history in the States at that time. So Lee, if you want to speak to that for a bit. Sure. I think, yeah, as Nathan said, this is, I think, going over the last couple of podcasts, been a, a, an approach that we've um, pursued is, is in trying to think about any kind of conspiracy theory, looking at the social historical context of the period to see if that can enlighten us a little bit. And certainly here, the 1950s United States, there's a lot of fear and paranoia, specifically something called the Red Scare, which is related to, well, which is the political fear in the United States that the Soviet Union is somehow undermining the democratic political system through spying, through sabotage, through propaganda. 
that there are place that there are people in high places in the American government, uh, in the American administration, um, who are actually Soviet agents. And Senator McCarthy, well, actually, so Senator McCarthy is the one who is credited with really starting the Red Scare in the United States by uh, claiming falsely, it turns out retrospectively, that he had a list of potentially 200 people in high uh, positions in the government who he knew proved positive were, in fact, double agents. And, and one of the things uh, also about the 50s was that television starts to become kind of a thing, and he takes advantage of that right. by going on TV and saying things like this. That's right. And it plays into a larger culture of fear. What he's saying has turned out, we know, um, it was a complete fabrication. I um, mean, there were some Soviet spies, of course. Yes, but interestingly, the Soviet spying program was actually winding down. Um, the Soviets were pulling out. They had um, been spying quite heavily in the 1940s in, the, um, in America, but they were winding down uh, their American operations. I think, not exactly sure what all the machinations were on the Soviet side, but by the time McCarthy comes out with this claim, it's actually past the heyday of Soviet spying. And, How, and he just made up the list. Exactly. Like he was like, eh, 276. Right, Why exactly. Not? And the number actually changed over time. And then later there were hearings. And I mean, the hearings are absurd at the kind of accusations that are being thrown at people, including actors and others. But I should mention that there is there was some precedent here with um, Ethel and Julius Rosenberg. Um, they were actually two uh, spies. They were Americans working for the Soviets, and they were part of a ring that funneled the nuclear bomb test activities and then actually uh, the information on how to build one. Uh, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg got that information to the Soviets and probably catapulted the Soviet ability to get nuclear weapons, uh, leapfrogged it by about a decade, if not more. And that was really the event that started like what we think of as the Cold War. Once right. you had two powers that both had nukes, now you've got yourself this sort exactly. of horrifying standoff. So there were real spies that did have real consequences. And then there was a generalized fear in the population around um, the Soviet Union, this massive power, what they were doing to the United States. And then in, in the midst of this, we have uh, Senator McCarthy who really stokes those fears with claims that he knows in fact that this is happening and he has lists and all kinds of things and they give him a ton of power they give him his own court basically yeah the uh huac the house un-american yeah. activities. activity committee yeah. right uh and basically you get hauled in there and he's and he says well we know you're a communist either rat out your friends right mm -hmm or you're in serious but trouble. Incidentally, that is the key strategy that uh, the secret police in Soviet countries would use, right? Of course, it's, that strategy uh, works yeah. great. <laughs> and so, it's so ethical. Ironies of history. Now, I mean, you'll have to do the work to connect this again to mm. Marilyn Monroe, but this certainly is the context of the 1950s. We have the two superpowers um, afraid of each other. The United States is, um, I guess, paranoid that the Soviet Union is there stealing their secrets. There have been actual events like the Rosenberg trial that demonstrate this. And this is the this is the United States in the 1950s. And then, and then you got Senator McCarthy just basically running rampant. 
That's Everybody right. was terrified of him. President Eisenhower was terrified of yeah. him. Because if you try to rein him in, he just calls you a communist. Mm-hmm. That's right. And because people had such a poor idea of what communism meant, it was just like, yeah. it was like saying that he was like a body snatcher or something. It was right. just a... And I think he was one of the early advocates of this strategy that if you just slander somebody, there are going... It's, it's much harder to say that you didn't do something mm-hmm. you've just been accused of. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody will always worry, well, maybe, I mean, why have you been accused to begin with? You yeah. will always reach, you will be able to convince some people with whatever kind of claim you throw at people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was super effective for a while until eventually uh, somebody stood up to McCarthy and said, have you no sense of decency? And it happened on TV and then McCarthy drank himself to death. But before that happened, he was able to wreck a lot of lives. Yes. He was able to terrify a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's crash these two things together then. Historically, the, the human being that was Marilyn Monroe and then the historical force that was the 1950s. So how does she sort of get linked up with this? Through guess, Arthur Miller. Right? Ah, okay. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about that. That right, seems so, super important. Uh, can I just ask, Elena, who is Arthur Miller? Arthur Miller, famous playwright. <laughs> okay, thank uh, you. Author of Death of a Salesman. Oh, wait, I, I knew that. Yes. Now I feel like... And The Crucible. And The Crucible. Okay. Right? And he also, like, he started writing for film, too, okay. which he appeared in some of his films, although he he was terribly... Uh, I mean, anyways, that's I want to get into it. He wrote terrible roles for her in a way. It was very obvious that he was, like, kind of treating her poorly just through the way he wrote her. Oh, place. I see. But okay. that's another point. That's a really specific way to be treated poorly in a relationship. Yeah, yeah it was really... like these terrible roles that it was like just blatantly obvious that that that's how he felt about her huh. through this role. Because anyway, he was a good playwright. He could have he written a good, play good roles for her. Yeah, yeah. So he was seen as a communist sympathizer. Yeah, for sure. Through many of his, I guess, connections and friends and, and whatnot. And so... And, and even the, the Crucible, the play, is about the Salem witch trials which right. is obviously a reference to right. the, the okay. 1950s communist witch yeah. trials. Yeah. Um, and so I don't exactly remember the details. Did he testify or he was, or no, he refused to maybe. And then he was uh, ordered, I don't know, there was some sort of legal thing held against him and, and Marilyn was seen as being like the good wife by like staying by him through mm-hmm. it all and, and believing in him. People were angry even when, that she had married him. People at the time were saying things right. like, oh, look, like the number one movie star is now just going to be the darling of the left wing intelligentsia. Mm-hmm. Right. Like people were so and there's also so confused. Like, why would she, mm-hmm. who's clearly dumb? be with this smart guy Mm -hmm. and of course the reason was one of those premises was wildly incorrect she Mm -hmm. wasn't dumb Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thing even before she marries miller she's dating uh elia kazan Kazan, uh, director who directs uh on the waterfront uh, a few other sort of left-leaning films that i can't think of right now and he is actually kazan before she's married to Miller, he gets in trouble with the House Un-American Activities right. Committee, and he actually is forced to rat at some of his friends, including, mm-hmm. I think, maybe Miller. Oh, I see. Okay. So while all of this is happening, uh, all of this is swirling around, and so at this point, Monroe, because she seems to have all of, on the one hand, she's like America's sweetheart, on the other hand, she seems to have a lot of contacts with people who are considered communists. Mm-hmm. So she starts getting the attention of groups like the FBI. 
and the CIA. Um, the FBI run by, at that point, uh, um, J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover, and who was a bit of a, I mean, he's, he was sort of a historical monster in some ways. Like, he was a bit of a life wrecker himself. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole thing on what yeah. Hoover did with, like, Martin Luther King. Right. Oh, in fact, yes. I would, in fact, I say right now, let's do that one, because okay. yes. I would really like to do that. Yes, um, and it's not just Martin Luther King. There's the no. whole Black Power movement, and yep. the, uh, I mean, there's the Black Panthers, um, Malcolm X. The, uh, yeah, anyway. the, the, history, yes. the FBI's history with those groups is horrifying and yes. terrible. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get to that. We're getting distracted. All right, so, so here we have this person who is uh, intelligent... Uh, sensitive, fragile. This is Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe. Not Jack Grover. Right. Okay. Yeah. And fragile. And so what happens when like a person this fragile gets thrown up against forces this large? Mm -hmm. What's going to make things worse for her is that she's about to, after Miller, she gets involved with somebody who's even more politically dangerous to her. Because at this point, of course, she hooks up with... JFK. JFK. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now... Just a question here. She herself, though, was not... So, so, so she had FBI activity. Uh, so the FBI was interested in her. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've... Uh, Elena and I have looked over dozens and dozens yeah. of files of the FBI following her, like you were yeah, saying... Yeah, to Mexico, wondering who she's... Or, like, any dinner she's been at. They're like, she was at a dinner at Peter Lawford's house, and that's where she met JFK, and maybe, like... There's now, did she know that this was happening, or was this really a secret, covert operation that... By the end, she knew it was happening. Okay. Her friend said that she would carry around a massive bag of coins because she would refuse to make phone calls from her own house. She would only use payphones. Uh, huh. Which sounds like... I mean, this is, again, this is so sad because if you think about her mom's experience with schizophrenia, yeah, right, right, right. that sounds yeah. dangerously close to paranoia, yeah. but then you look at the FBI files and you're like, nope, she was genuinely she was being, being followed. followed and yeah. bugged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so where does she meet? But you mentioned Peter Lawford. John yeah. F. Kennedy. I think that's, I think it was at a dinner and I think she was very, she was very excited at the idea of meeting of meeting him and I think she even like studied up a little bit like she wanted to really impress him and be able to have like deep conversations okay. about like political issues and things with him um, well, I mean think about what JFK was like to people back then he was this young mm, guy and yeah. he had sort of like progressive ideas yeah. Yeah. people thought he was like a really decent guy and it, and it was Camelot they called it right because because right. it was this idea of this sort of young Fair leader yeah. with his beautiful family mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and everything is perfect, perfect yeah. yeah which of course wildly untrue yeah but and uh, one of the things that made it not perfect of course is that he is married mm -hmm. to jackie kennedy which is kind of a problem mm -hmm. although not such a problem for kennedy as it turns out who has all the affairs yeah yeah like an extraordinary and maybe we should take a second to talk about kennedy sure okay before we get back to monroe so kennedy uh, born into this political family the kennedys his father is a war profiteer they make a ton of money his father basically decides all of his sons are going to go into politics. I think his oldest one dies in the war. Mm -hmm. And that was the one who he was like, you're going to be president. And then that one dies in the war. So it's like, well, who's mm -hmm. next up? I guess John F. is up next. Yeah. But this is a problem because John F. Kennedy is a very flawed human being. During the war, he was already a bit of a, a womanizer. And 
he always seemed to choose like sort of dangerous women in a sense. One of the most famous affairs he has is with a woman called Inga Arvid, who was an American journalist who had some real Nazi sympathies to the point that Hitler adored her and invited her to the Olympics in Berlin in 1936. And we have all sorts of photographs of the two of them hanging out. Hitler considered her to be this Aryan ideal. But then during the war, this woman who Hitler loves and has real close ties to the Nazis and is being, again, bugged by the FBI, mm -hmm. starts to have an affair with John F. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And they meet, uh, specifically one time, they meet at a hotel in Charleston, South Carolina in 1942, in a room that's being bugged by the FBI. Because they're like, okay, what is Arvid up to? Mm -hmm. Turns out what she's up to that night is John F. Kennedy. Mm -hmm. So now the FBI has a recording of what John F. Kennedy sounds like <laughs> is that has that been released is there like a I haven't time I haven't heard it no I don't want to hear it I don't think <laughs> um, um, I'm Nathan I'm not sure if this is the time to bring up this concept but um, is, is it worth talking about the idea of a honeypot oh yeah we should yeah why don't you explain this because I think no, this is why a don't super you explain oh, it. Right, I'll explain the idea of honeypot. <laughs> that's why I asked the question it's a kind of unconventional uh, spy technique which, uh, have either of you ever watched a TV show, it's fantastic, called The Americans? Yes, yeah. Early on I watched it. Yeah. I have yeah. not watched it, but I've heard about it. Highly yeah. recommend that show. In it, uh, one of the characters played by... Is it the main female character? Yeah. Who used to be Felicity? Who Played by, used played to be by Felicity. Used to be Felicity. She is a Russian spy in the States, and one of the things that she does is she uses her sort of appeal and her sexiness to seduce men and get information from them, mm -hmm. which is definitely something that the Russians were doing a lot of. They had sex spies in England, they had sex spies in Canada, they had sex spies in the States. Certainly the government was worried that JFK, with his history, not only of mm -hmm. being very weak when it came to women, but also seeming to be attracted to women who were perhaps politically dangerous, the CIA and the FBI were both very concerned that he would be highly susceptible to Russian sex spies. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only uh, Russian sex spies, but in 1960, he was having an affair with a woman who was working for the mafia, a woman called Judith Exner. So, like, he basically is the most black mailable uh, person yeah. who was alive in the early 60s. Mm -hmm. The Secret Service was bringing him women to the White House. It was uh, it was a real scene. And it and it really hit the like the pages when it was his birthday and Marilyn Monroe appeared at his birthday and she had been like practicing this breathy version mm -hmm. of Happy Birthday, Mr. President. And she had this special dress. Like she basically had dresses like sewn onto her to be so form fitting. Mm -hmm. And it was like almost translucent. Um, and jeweled and everything and she sh so she showed up and sang this breathy version I don't think Jackie Kennedy was there she was not there no she was not there and so she she performed Marilyn performed this for JFK and that's when it was like you know have really... you seen that footage I've seen some of it yeah it is uncomfortable to watch yeah yeah it's yeah yeah super uncomfortable yeah it feels very like intimate like mm -hmm. yeah have you seen it, Lee? I have seen that, yeah. actually. Could you maybe imitate it a little bit for people who haven't seen it? <laughs> I certainly will not. I have in privacy, yes. Yeah. I have to admit that. I feel I like of the three of us, you could do yeah, the most yeah. convincing version of it. <laughs> so funny. But it is, yeah, it is very difficult to watch. Yeah. 
And even more, there's a couple weird things about it. Um, she's inter, she's inter, not interrupted. She is introduced by Peter Lawford, mm -hmm. I think, who is not only a friend of hers, but also, of course, JFK's brother-in-law. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at this point in 1962, like her, her insecurities, her, her, this sort of gulf between who she was trying to make everybody think she was yeah. and who she actually was, which was putting so much strain on her. She, she develops a lot of dependencies on barbiturates to help her sleep, mm -hmm. amphetamines to help her wake up, and alcohol just to help her interact with people. Yeah. So by 1962, sadly, she's in terrible shape as far as, as uh, drugs and substances go. And, and just like dependency in general too, because even yeah. on set, she would need like her acting coach there and to coach her in between takes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she would ask the director for, like I saw a great clip of, I think it was Jack Lemmon who was in a film with her describing how he's like, the director could give her like every description under the moon for how this part could be played in this one moment. And she would still, the camera would go on and she would just draw a blank and then she starts shaking her hands. It was part of her like acting technique, I guess, mm -hmm. to like shake it all off and, and start afresh. And she had all these sayings she did and mantras. And uh, so she was a very like particular actor. Yeah. And she was barely keeping it together. Mm -hmm. So she shows up late to this yeah. president's birthday party, which right. was also on TV. And so they introduce her and mm -hmm. she's not there. And so then it's like, oh, hmm. Then a few minutes pass, and then they, he introduces her again, and then she comes out, and he introduces her as... The late Marilyn Monroe. Ooh. Yeah. And this is only a few weeks before she's going to die. That creeped me out, too. That's I creepy. That. Yeah. So that whole... You have to see this video, or at least the video that we'll put up later of Lee imitating it. <laughs> yeah. It is. Never going to happen. It is, really, it is really uncomfortable. And it's even more uncomfortable when you think that this is a few months after JFK, according to uh, a lot of different independent sources, this is a few months after JFK and Marilyn Monroe actually did have an affair, like a physical affair, mm -hmm. at the house of Bing Crosby, who is I've a famous heard. person. Okay. Um, is... Is this uncontroversial? Like, do we know for sure that they had an affair, or is it? I think for known confident. JFK, but there was I think only rumors that she had one with RFK too. Yeah, I think that was just oh. rumors, but mm -hmm. JFK was pretty substantiated. I think. Yeah, okay. like I think we can state that with some confidence that yeah. Okay. Yeah, JFK and Marilyn Monroe at least had, at least consummated yeah. that affair once. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, it might have been different things to the two of them. I mean, JFK, he had a lot of women. He didn't tend to treat them very well. He sort of looked at them as conquests and then sort of became uninterested in them. Whereas what she mm -hmm. was looking for, and this is another sad part of this, appeared to be, like, love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, she wanted that... Uh, like, yeah. she wanted... When she was a kid going to the movies and wanting that perfection and then going to Hollywood and finding it just mm -hmm. terrible and unpleasant, mm -hmm. and then seeing this this Camelot and being like, oh, maybe I could be the first lady and mm -hmm. finally, like, my reality would match up to fantasy. But JFK was uh, not particularly kind to her and was probably, from the looks of things, just interested in her as a conquest mm -hmm. and then basically cast her aside. And this is where RFK comes in because Kennedy, JFK, basically leaves it up to his right, brother to deal with it. To deal yeah. with it. Exactly. So she's calling him in the middle of the night talking to him and pleading with him and trying to get his attention and and of course and yeah. he's the attorney general so yeah. it's still 
it's still very politically fraught with sure. danger. Yeah. And so then I guess we'll get to the, now we've got to the point um, where the conspiracy kicks in because, uh, what is it, on... When was it the demand August, of marriage? Oh, that was before Miller. Miller. Before, before Miller. Miller. Oh, yeah, okay. And that was, okay. Um, so then, I think it was August 5th, is that right? August 5th, she's found dead mm -hmm. in her home, in the first home she ever bought. Mm -hmm. Because up until then, she'd just been living in hotel rooms and things like that, and mm -hmm. rented places. I think she even lived at her psychiatrist's home for a while. Yeah, again, they showing had very, that... They had no boundaries back then in terms no. of psychiatry. He was like... His theory was total opposite. There were no boundaries. It was like, if I bring her into my home and she's part of the family, then it's like she gets a stable sense of security and this mm -hmm. and this and that. But then it's just like he was at her beck and call and really it made her more vulnerable when he wasn't there because mm -hmm. she was so reliant on him. And again, it's this issue of dependency mm -hmm. with people, with drugs, with, with everything. And it's the drugs that officially are the cause of her death. She's found dead by her housekeeper, um, yes. Eunice Murray. Mm -hmm. Eunice Murray, who's going to come back into this. Yeah, you know the official story that Eunice told. Yeah, it was that... I even have it earmarked in here. So, okay. So, the doctor was so worried about her that he had... So, Eunice Murray, spending the night in the dressing room, answered the second phone. So, the doctor had even called, being like... Make sure she's okay, you know, check in on her because she was essentially on suicide watch because she had, she was just in such a terrible place and she had tried before to kill herself. Uh, Eunice reported that Marilyn was resting in her room. She insisted everything was fine. As far as she knew, it was. In fact, Marilyn was probably dead or dying. Murray wakened at 3 a.m., surrounded by full-length mirrors. I don't know what that means. I guess that's just in her room. Mm -hmm. Like Natasha Lightest 12 years previously, she sensed something was wrong. She flicked on a light and put on a robe. What she saw in the hall distressed her. A phone cord ran under Marilyn's locked door. Ordinarily, the phone would have been, quote, put to bed under a stack of pillows in the guest room. And then, anyways, that's that's when they find her. Or then I think she calls, she calls the doctor, Greenson, and then he comes and in and breaks the down window, the door. And he's yeah. smashing through, yeah, through yeah. that, and then, and then she's dead. And this is about 3 o'clock in the morning. But she a half hour yeah. passes, and then they call the cops. Right. So just very briefly to review, um, Marilyn Monroe has is has substance abuse issues at this mm -hmm. point in her life, a mm -hmm. lot of psychological stressors, and she mm -hmm. is now on suicide watch mm -hmm. from her doctor. Essentially, like it, I don't know that he explicitly said like watch out. She, I'm worried she's gonna kill herself tonight. But it was like, maybe he felt like if someone was around, then she would be okay. Mm -hmm. And this is why the doctor calls on the night of August 5th, is mm -hmm. that correct? To check to up check on in. her. Yeah. And then the housekeeper says, everything's fine. Everything's fine. But mm -hmm. didn't actually go check yeah. on her. That's, I mean, and Which all of this bizarre. is the story that Eunice Murray tells. Right. Might not be what actually happened. Right. Because there's, some, there's a bunch of problems. So then the official story is that she took a bunch of pills... Uh, something like 40 pills. Yeah, like, like a, she, a prescription she had just filled. Right, yeah, of last... Nebutol. Yeah, Nebutol. And now I'm guessing it's some kind of downer. It's, it, it's, yeah, it's a sedative. Yeah. And she also, sedative. there was also an empty bottle of chlorohydrate. Mm -hmm. uh, another sedative. Okay. So basically 40 pills would have killed her. And so the argument then here would be, well, it's a suicide. Yeah, it's right. a suicide or it's an accident. She and took too many pills. There was, she did say, so earlier on that night she was on the phone 
She was on the phone with Lawford. That is... Peter Lawford. An actor and also JFK's brother-in-law. Allegedly said, say goodbye to Pat, say goodbye to Jack, and say goodbye to yourself because you're a nice guy. Silence followed. Had she fallen asleep? Had the receiver slipped out of her hand? And that's essentially all the last they hear from her. And Lawford tried to call back, but it was just busy. Now, again, that's Lawford's story. Yes. Mm -hmm. And as we're going to get to in a second, I think there are reasons to doubt that part of the story. Mm Mm-hmm. Just before we go on, can I ask what book you're reading from Marilyn? Marilyn Monroe by something Leeming, someone Leeming. What's her name? Barbara Leeming. Barbara Leeming. There's a book I've had for years. I don't know why in high school I like wasn't in, into Andy Warhol and then the Marilyn Screen Prince, right. and then I just got into learning about Marilyn Monroe. Well, I could see why. I mean, fascinating person. Yeah. Interesting person and tragic person. Like that's that's a really interesting combination mm-hmm. to learn about. But where is the conspiracy? Yeah, okay. where's the... What, what, what is the... Okay, here's the thing. Like, she was definitely uh, involved with JFK. Mm-hmm. JFK was the president, and so having an affair back in the 60s, you could get blackmailed just for that. Even if she had just been some woman having mm-hmm. an affair, that's already a problem for the CIA and the FBI. The fact that she had ties to a lot of known communists made them suspect that maybe she wasn't just an innocent person mm-hmm. who's having an affair, but she might be a honeypot. She might be somebody who is getting information. There were rumors that she kept pretty detailed notes of her conversations with JFK and RFK. Uh, her friend said... Wait, some red book or something? Yeah, they the never red diary, which they? they never found. Yeah. And that's, I don't know if that's true yeah. or not, but certainly her friend said it. And what her friend said was the reason she was doing it is so that she could, and this is something Elena mentioned earlier, so that she could have intelligent conversations with these powerful men. Right. She's studying. So so she is the sort of... There are a lot of agencies that are suspicious of her. JFK doesn't want to have anything to do with her anymore because he just looked at her, from what we can tell, as just like, oh, a one-time fling. I don't want to replace the first lady with you. Uh, so she is a potential embarrassment. And this is where I find it, like, there's a bunch of also physical problems with the death itself. When you die of an overdose, it's a horrifying death. It's a terrible way to die. It's a very messy way to die. Your body goes through spasms. There's a ton of vomiting. Uh, You end up sort of twisted up in pain as all your muscles constrict. It's very unappealing and terrible. But how was she found? She was just like laid out on her bed. Was she face down, I think, and the phone was nearby? But she was just sort of splayed out on the bed, maybe even with a blanket on her still or a sheet on her. Yeah, in a very sort of gentle pose that seems like really unlikely for somebody who just overdosed Mm -hmm. on pills. Uh, Other problems I have, uh, most of this comes from the first police officer to show up. The first police officer to show up, uh, Jack Clemens. Oh, yeah. So Jack Clemens shows up, and he finds the whole thing very suspicious. He also has a hard time with the way the body is placed, uh, because it doesn't look like the overdoses he's seen before. Um, he, finds, uh, he finds that the bedroom looks like it's just been scrubbed. He thinks it's strange that Eunice Murray is doing laundry at 4 a.m., when, like, Marilyn Monroe has just died? Like, why would that be... I mean, sure, people act strange around mm-hmm, death, mm-hmm. but it's an odd and specific thing to do, to be doing laundry 
when this has happened. But I think some of these claims, too, he didn't say initially in his initial investigation. He, they came about later, he made these claims that mm-hmm. the housekeeper's washing sheets and that he had a sixth sense that something was wrong. Yeah, and so this is a problem. Could it be that Clemens isn't reliable and yeah. that he's just trying to cash in on this death by getting himself some notoriety? What's with all this sixth sense Exactly. Stuff? This is the yeah. second person now. Yeah. The housekeeper had a sixth sense. It was the sixties. Right, yeah. okay. And I mean as we've talked about, the American government was also obsessed with the sixth senses at the time. Uh, but something else that he said and that you can see and this is maybe a point in his favor as far as how reliable a witness he said he is, is that one of the things that he says that he finds very suspicious, no glass. She just oh, swallowed yeah. forty or sixty pills. There's no glass by the bed. There's no glass in the room. Mm-hmm. There's no water. Mm-hmm. There's nothing for her to drink. Like, nobody could swallow pills. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of known for having a hard time swallowing pills. Mm-hmm. So, and then if you look in the pictures of her death scene, it's like, yeah, there is no glass. So that might be something that, while you're right, uh, Elena, we should definitely not necessarily trust Jack Clemens because he could have an ulterior motive mm-hmm. for saying this stuff. He's right about the glass. Huh. And he's also right that he was sent away almost immediately. And then much higher level LAPD guys came in to the scene. Right. So that's all kind of an issue. And I mean, we could get into the, the autopsy didn't find any pills in her system. Could I ask a few follow-up questions here? Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like I'm sort of playing the role of the resident skeptic. But mm-hmm. I'm just these are just genuine questions because some of the... Uh, reasons why we might consider it a conspiracy are based on Nathan's claims that, for example, like with the body. So for, mm-hmm. so is it the case, and I, do, I just genuinely don't know this, is it the case that all o- drug overdoses have these kind of spasms involved? Like if, if, is it the same, do you have the same kind of death if you overdose on cocaine, which is a stimulant, or heroin, which is a depressant? No, I mean, there's different kinds of overdoses, of course, but this is a fairly, sadly, a very common one, an overdose on barbiturates, and they do have certain patterns to them. I mean, this would, it wouldn't be impossible, but it would be atypical for someone to just gently go to sleep huh. uh, with that level of barbiturates in their system and chlorohydrate. So the body doesn't like it in you and wants right. to get it out. Right. Okay. Um, and there wasn't any, I mean, not to be, I'm sorry, it's, it's undelicate, but, mm. um, you usually defecate as far as I know, right? When yep. you die. And if there wasn't any evidence of any of this, nope. yeah. I see. Now, is there a way of getting 40 pills into your body without swallowing them? I mean, if she had issues with... Well, I think we're about to get even yeah. less delicate. Yeah. Why don't you take this one away? Oh, <laughs> yes, Elena. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, I believe uh, there is an enema option. Yeah. So I think that's where part of this conspiracy comes in as to whether or not she was like given an enema that would have killed her versus having ingested them orally herself. Now, of course, needless to say, there was also not... Uh, an enema bag at the at the site either right. so if she did do if she was given an enema or gave herself an enema right. there's no evidence there's no yeah uh, but there was evidence in the fact that yeah. while there wasn't the any pills in her system her lower colon was discolored mm-hmm. this is from the autopsy hmm. now autopsies, so we needed to like absorb drugs really quickly right yeah 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 exactly um, but if she had given herself the enema, the enema equipment would have obviously been there. Mm-hmm. 
if someone else had given her the enema, they could have removed it. I mean, it. another theory, which I don't know if I've heard anywhere, but what if the housekeeper yeah. just was like, knew that, knew kind of how vain or how concerned Marilyn would be with the appearance of things, but was like cleaning everything up. Oh, yeah, that could definitely her. be true. Yeah. Or the studio, even. Right. Because right. it's fairly common practice. It's like, oh, we've got a messy death. Yeah. This is going to look bad in the papers. Let's tidy this up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that in itself would be a conspiracy. Mm -hmm. But a lot different than the CIA killing her because she was a honeypot for the president. Yeah, yeah. that would be yeah. a much lower level conspiracy, although still sad. Although here's, okay, so here's the stuff that I've come across that I haven't told you guys about yet. <laughs> I want to go back to stuff. RFK. Okay. All right, so RFK, when this happens, when she dies, officially is in... Oh, I know this. Yeah, see? Going, yeah. Is in San Francisco. Okay. That's the official story. I am pretty sure that's why, because we have multiple independent witnesses. Let's see. There's uh, some people at 20th Century Fox have said that they saw Peter Lawford again, friend mm -hmm. of Marilyn Monroe and brother-in-law to the Kennedys, getting off a helicopter at the 20th Century Fox lot. He was pulled over in a limousine, Peter Lawford and RFK in L.A., Pulled over by police officer Lynn Franklin, which was confirmed by the chief of the LAPD. It's mm -hmm. like, no, this did occur. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a bunch of witnesses who saw Lawford and RFK go to Monroe's house. Hmm. We don't know what happened at that point. We don't know if any of this is true, but that's a lot of witnesses to see something yeah. that specific. And R RFK was a very distinctive mm -hmm. looking person who would have been very well known. Mm -hmm. And of course, Peter Lawford was an actor. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of her neighbors who said, yeah, we saw Lawford and Kennedy go to the house the day she died. So he was probably almost certainly in LA and lying about being in San Francisco. Right, and, and wasn't there some idea behind this too that like he knew she was dead and so they sort of covered it up until he left the city, right? And then her body was found hours later because he didn't want to be in the same place when, well, that's, I guess, the rumor attached to this story, right? And it would explain why the coroner said, well, she's probably been dead since yeah. like nine o'clock. Yeah, and it was three in the morning when they finally discovered mm -hmm. it. So did they go to the house while she was still alive, or did they... That's what witnesses say. Okay, so they arrived sometime during the day. Yeah, towards the end of the afternoon. Uh, she's probably... So what is the implication here that they are the ones who slipped her the drugs, or... This is where we move from yeah. things that I'm comfortable in yeah. saying to things that become speculation. I, I would say this. It seems ridiculous to me. If you're RFK, like, I could see why you would want... Monroe to be quieted. Yes. But I could also see there's no way you're going to go to her house to kill her. That yeah. was my thing. Like, yeah. like you don't do the dirty work yourself, yeah. mm -hmm. right? I mean, you, you have, that's what you have all those hired goons for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's, there's no there's way that you do that. Yeah. They're, and they're good at it. I mean, so, unless this is a crime of passion. Like, unless this is not a CIA thing, mm -hmm. but still a conspiracy to off somebody. Yeah, but again, I haven't seen any... Uh, from what I understand, RFK was more concerned about her as being a threat to mm -hmm. the presidency. Mm -hmm. I see. And just sort of wanted her to basically take it down a notch, pump the brakes, and slow her roll in that order. Mm -hmm. But we know we're being lied to. I think it's safe to say we're being lied to. I don't want to make the claim that she was therefore murdered. 
but there's enough here that like it is very suspicious mm-hmm. also she was a very sad person mm-hmm. she had tried to kill herself before with pills and like at this stage in her life she was in really rough shape and in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. is it possible and I would like to hear what both of you think actually about this uh, in terms of what you guys think in terms of whether this actually was a conspiracy as Nathan suggested um, well, I but think it was a conspiracy. I just don't know which one, and yeah. I don't know if it was murder. Well, is it also possible that she was, that sort of the, the situations aligned in such a way that um, she could almost be convinced to kill herself? You know, not quite yeah, yeah, like yeah. that, yeah. but like she is yeah. being, this is kind yeah. of problematic for us. She's already sort of suicidal. Yeah. That's kind of So like give her yeah. a psychological push. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Which a visit from RFK... Exactly. I do, saying, you gotta cut it out, John doesn't want you, I don't need, like, who knows? If yeah, that, exactly, if your there was a crashing and burning. Yeah, you know? Or maybe something even less sinister than that. Maybe he shows up and he's like, listen, Marilyn, you've got to, like, drop this. This is never gonna happen. You're mm-hmm. never yeah. gonna be that person. And then they leave, yeah. and then she becomes very That's depressed right, yeah. and perhaps kills herself. And then, retroactively, they're like, we better find another place for you to have been that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because even if he wasn't, like, that would also fit some totally. of the facts. That would explain why we're being lied to about where he was. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean, like, I think that they were lying about it. doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that he Sinister. killed her. Yeah. And, I mean, there was a lot of people, there was a lot of other circumstantial evidence. Um, John DiMaggio Jr., John DiMaggio's, yeah. Joe DiMaggio, sorry, Joe DiMaggio Jr., had talked to her on the phone that day and said that she sounded fine. Mm-hmm. Other friends also said that she sounded fine. Peter Lawford was the one who said that right. she sounded terrible, right. but Peter Lawford's the one driving RFK around L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an issue. Yeah. But, I mean, um, the thing about suicide is you can sound fine or Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say still... that there's a lot of people have said this about yeah. suicide yeah. that have happened. Or the person seemed fine today. Mm-hmm. I mean, in fact, some, I've, I've actually heard it going so far as that they almost sounded better than they yeah, had. because they decided. They had decided, yeah. you know, and, and that sort of took a bunch of pressure off them. Mm-hmm. Elena, what do you think? Is this a I, conspiracy by the CIA? N- I, no, I don't think so. I, okay. I mean, there's so much, there are other theories that we didn't even touch on that okay. you could go, like... Um, that are Yeah, aliens. <laughs> she, <laughs> aliens. She knew about Roswell through mm-hmm. JFK, through Pillow Talk, and they had to offer, or the mob boss wanted to offer, I don't know, to try and put pressure on the Kennedys, I guess, because they knew the connection. Anyways, there's all sorts of other things. But I do, the more we talk about this, like, I kind of like this theory. This idea that they had visited her, maybe nothing sinister was there, but through that, that might have pushed her over the edge, even incidentally. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a hard, It's a hard one to kind of navigate, because... She did have a history, but at the same time, her history of trying to commit suicide also involved reaching out to somebody who then found her in time. Right, she it, like, always... It, like, cries for help, right? Yeah, and there, we know there was a phone there. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Sad, though. I know. Very sad. I mean, what we can say for sure is that I, I think that we're being... That we have been lied to about where RFK was that day. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't necessarily mean that he killed her. No. And I think that also, like, I can see, Lena, why Monroe was such an interesting figure to you. Mm-hmm. When you're, because it shows you what happens when somebody who is talented, smart, vulnerable, can just 
get chewed up by the machinery of society and history yeah. and industry. Yeah, mm-hmm. yet she, so she like was exploited, but also tried to kind of exploit back, even in terms of the companies, like they'd fire her and then she'd, or she'd stop working and then they'd fire her and then they'd rehire her two months later for like more money than before so, and, and she'd get more demands in her contract than mm-hmm. before. Like, so she kind of learned how to work the system and just other things about her too. Like I wrote a few things down that just, um, I felt were important about her too. So you mentioned already having her owner, owning her own business in the fifties, which was like a huge deal, especially for a woman to have her own mm-hmm. production company. Mm-hmm. But every marriage she went through too, she was like, it was a very modern debate. Like she announced that she was married or just get married to Arthur Miller. And then they'd be like, so are you going to stop working now and have babies? And she's like, um, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Let's just wait until, you know, the justice settled a bit. And, and she was always like, uh, presented with this pressure to like change her life because she was getting because she was now married or getting married and so it was this very mo- very kind of modern debate around mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. can you have it all and you yeah. know um and so there was just all these sort of interesting things around her like her being this very sympathetic figure in terms of her upbringing and um and she was also a brilliant actress like if you watch her in her movies I think someone described her once as a mix between Jean Harlow who was like a real sort of sex figure and like Charlie Chaplin because she yeah. had amazing wit and even in a lot of her interviews she really plays with reporters really well like they'll ask her an awkward question and she just has these quirky little funny answers that just everyone starts laughing at like she has this brilliant like comedic way as well mm. and I don't know there's just so much more to her than just kind of the image and I just feel like it's she's such a fascinating figure yeah and played such a bizarre role in yeah. a very weird time mm-hmm. yeah. in American political history, yeah. but ultimately did not survive it. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether, I think this is the thing, maybe this is what we can say for sure, regardless if it was an accidental overdose uh, or a deliberate suicidal overdose or whether there was some kind of foul play, she basically was a bit of a victim of history. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a woman born in the 20s, she was like limited as far as what she could do and she had to basically like define herself through the men she was with because of this ridiculously mm-hmm. sexist time she had to work through an absurdly misogynistic and sexist hollywood industry oh, which yeah. must have been i can't even imagine yeah like the casting couches that she would have had to go through mm-hmm. and yeah. the way she would have been treated so yeah it's like i guess the lesson is we are fragile mm-hmm and I don't know who killed Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. An hour later, that's the conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't know. No, still don't know. 